0: What 2020 has provided such a great opportunity for us to do Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of really frustrating things happening in our world today that can incite a lot of anger and finger pointing and blaming and judging. Right. And until you can look at everything with that universal love and understanding. Right. And you've got some demons to work out. And I've certainly been thankful for the the demons I've been able to exercise through the catalyst of 2020 that I never would have known were there. Mm-hmm. Um, the political climates, the the fear, the the narrative manipulation, all these things that have been going on um, have given me a great opportunity to find even deeper levels of forgiveness and, and oneness with others who seem to be divided from me, really aren't divided from me, right? Only in perspective. And so again, it's meeting life, life catalysts with the message of love that allows us to purge karma.
1: Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. Look who I've got back on the show, the gorgeous and delicious, <laughs> Aaron Abke. Welcome to the show, Aaron.
0: Thank you, Karen. So great to be back with you. How long has it been? A year, two years?
1: It's been, it's been like a year. Yeah. We had a chat about a year ago and uh, and my little tribe just you know fell in love with you and they're just loving you. We often discuss your videos and share your videos. It's like, oh, look what he's talking about this and all that. And that. Ah, so, so cool. I reached out to them this morning and said, got any questions? And they've given me a stack of questions to ask you. And uh, oh, fine. so I'll be quizzing you. But for those people that are listening and watching this show that haven't met Aaron before, let me tell you a little bit about Aaron from his bio. So, Aaron Abke, you were born and raised a pastor's son in the Silicon Valley of California. And like your father, you wanted to work in the church ministry and went to college graduating with a bachelor's degree in music and theology. You spent a year working as a full-time worship pastor at a church in San Jose until eventually you felt called to leave religion and pursue a deeper and more authentic spiritual path when you were like 23 years old. So young. At 27, you had a dramatic awakening, spiritual awakening that changed the course of your life when working as a fitness model and competing in the national levels, men's bodybuilding. You completely walked away from that life to a brand new way of being, which we discussed in the last podcast, in the last show. And if you go to Aaron's uh, YouTube, you've got this beautiful show talking about your spiritual awakening So we won't really go into that today because it's all there. You have a passion to share the path of inner freedom and self-realization with the world. And you do this through your YouTube channel, social media, meditation classes, workshops, and seminars. How are the seminars going? Are they getting more patronage?
0: Oh, I'm so busy. I feel like I'm juggling 100 pins at once sometimes, but it's a good busy. I enjoy it.
1: And are you finding people's questions you know, challenging when, you know, and and people's how to, I think the challenge for a teacher is how to explain or deliver a message that sinks in and drops. Mm -hmm. Are you finding that a challenge rather than just chewing over concepts?
0: Yeah. You know, it's gotten so much easier over time as my own spiritual depth has developed. The more I know myself, the easier it is to answer those questions. It's, it's so true, the, the cliche phrase that we always use that um, you can only know someone else to the extent you know yourself right. or all answers are within you. Oh my right. gosh, it's so true.
1: Right, absolutely. Oh, look, teaching is such an exponential, accelerated spiritual growth, isn't it? Teaching and yeah. healing for me uh, with a passion like you to have that self-realization Uh, As I reached out as a teacher, even though I felt unprepared or maybe I didn't know enough or I wasn't connected enough to my guides or whatever concept I had about who I was or wasn't, just having those people come to you with their problems. When I first started, I felt like everybody was just speaking my life, like every problem they had, I had. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) spirit wants me to deal with this one. So, yeah, yeah, it's exponential growth. Mm -hmm. And you believe in lasting joy and peace is everyone's birthright and is attainable for anyone who truly desires it in teaching self empowerment your main areas of focus are understanding the ego self love forgiveness and the path of inner peace okay i've been totally binging out on your videos like last night and this morning
0: <laughs> nice
1: <laughs> and i was like uh, re- we revisited the email i sent to you about coming back on the show cuz there was a video That i watched that totally had me crying and crying and crying and it was the social memory complex law of one number 14 the destiny of the human race there is this message that you deliver to humanity and i'm just going to go over some points we must evolve and you're like you're standing there going we must evolve and the music's in the background (laughs) (laughs) it's like oh my god sit up and listen to this we must choose can i make this any more clear We must choose to heal the separation we feel. The world does not need to be saved for us. The world needs to be saved from us. Oh my God, Aaron, these words, you are totally channeling doing this, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe, I guess so.
1: We must make expanding consciousness the number one goal of our civilization. We can sweep people into a vibration of love by becoming and living love ourselves. You are the light of the world. I just want to cry every time I just hear these (laughs) words because it's just reminding people who they are. You are the light of the world. The world will be as bright as the love you can give it. Your healing is the world's healing. The higher we raise our vibration, the more accessible we make this for others. Prioritise your own evolution. Oh, we can stop the show now.
0: (laughs) I just love how connected you are, Karen. (laughs) I really do. Beautiful. And
1: Those words, do they not speak to everybody? It's just, do they not speak to everybody? If you're awake,
0: they will. They certainly will.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, shall we get into, um, you know, I have a question for you. Maybe I'll ask you now before we get into some of the questions. What's totally lighting you up at the moment? Because you're covering so much. So you've got so many series on your show, like Law of One, Course in Miracles, Mind Science. What's totally lighting you up at the moment as you um, live it and think about it and in the sort of consciousness genre?
0: So much I could say. You know, I have had so many amazing things happen to me in the last year. It was really such a year of expansion. Um, I got to go on the Jenny McCarthy show a few times, um, became really close friends with her and, and Donnie, uh, Donnie Wahlberg. I got to launch two programs that were just enormous success. And I do that full time now. I bought this house, I bought um one of my dream cars. Uh, I have a this is a Kind of a breaking news thing, but I have an upcoming show on Gaia on the Law of One. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, hang on. So, I just, oh my God. That is yeah. so cool. How did Gaia found, find you? Oh, that's so good. Cool. High five. Congratulations.
0: Oh, well, somebody, uh, I guess, passed my videos across. Um, Yurka's okay. desk at, at Gaia, and he watched the Law One videos. He and some other producers, Jason Liggett, um, and they they were like, "Wow, we love this. We got to get this at Gaia. Um, this is what we need." So yeah, they just contacted me, and luckily they're right here uh, in Louisville, Lew- uh, just 30 minutes north of where I live. So I've been meeting with them, and we're kind of planning the pilot right now, and it's going to be really cool. But I say all that to say, I've had like literally an unimaginable amount of success in the last year. Yeah, in my career. And as, as exciting and fun and blessed as I felt from that, it's just incomparable to the, the joy and the deepening of love I have for God and the universe. And every time I level up in my career, something new happens, some new opportunity that, you know, ego gets so attached to outcomes and, oh, if I can only have that, then, then I'll truly be happy for sure. And all those things and every time I have one of those moments where I'm like, wow, I, I visualized this, I've been dreaming about this and it's happened. It's always like, ah, but you're so much better. Like it just doesn't compare. And something about leveling up and seeing that it hasn't, it can't touch this immensity of love I feel in my heart for reality. Uh, it, it feels like my love levels up at the same time because the contrast just provides that catalyst. And so for me, it's just this, this. Every day, I feel so much gratitude. One, for the work I get to do in the world, I have a a living the course program, which is a Course in Miracles based program. We meet every single morning at 7 a.m. and we go over the daily lesson. So I get to like teach and share every day with, you know, 250 people live. And then I have my master class and I get to impact so many lives on YouTube. And I'm just the comments flood in, the emails, the DMs flood in of, you've changed my life, you've changed my life. And you can't even put into words, the gratitude I wake up with knowing that, but at the same time, again, what I really wake up with is this just every day. It's like an always ever increasing joy and excitement to fall more in love, to surrender more, to disappear more, to become nobody even more. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the the more empty I become of the person of, of Aaron, uh, the more full of the divine I become. And so, so long on my spiritual journey, Karen, I was so afraid to disappear, mm. like to get rid of the person and all the person's desires and like, but, but that thing will really fulfill me. Like I should really find out at first before I disappear, you know, you have all these, we have all these conundrums on the spiritual path as we pursue enlightenment and just surrendering one little thing at a time, you slowly prove to yourself that there's nothing to fear by getting rid of the person and your stories and your attachments and all that. You, you realize there's nothing of value whatsoever being lost. And so slowly kind of like a snowball effect, the excitement starts to multiply every day because it's like every little item of the person that I discard is replaced by more of that love. And it just deepens even more. And I'm like, how deep can it go? I just can't imagine it getting any better, but it continues to get better, more beauty, more aliveness, more connection. And so it's like, everyone's so afraid to disappear And I deal with this on my masterclass and YouTube comments and people, you know, asking me questions about this. And it's like, how do I convey to people what they're missing out on that? Like paradise is awaiting you on the other side. There's, there's nothing to fear whatsoever by becoming free. Um, and so it's like, I'm not afraid to disappear anymore. I think is what I'm most excited about. Like to me, I want to live in that heaven, you know?
1: Oh, darling one. Absolutely. Okay. For, for people that don't understand, what do you mean by disappear? What do you mean by becoming nobody? Uh, do you want to get, get into that? Um, I just, I just want to say something quickly about uh, the more in love with yourself and life you became, the more success came. And, and yeah. that's, that's the, that's the game of life, right? Mm-hmm. We think, okay, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to employ the but marketing guy and get the, you know, the, 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 everything right on the computer. So people add sense and people can see me. And, and, you know, then I'm, when I'm successful, I'm going to feel good about myself. But when I, you know, when I've saved millions of people, when I've made lots of money or what it's the, it's the other way around. It's just like fall in love with yourself, fall in love with your source.
0: Seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added.
1: So The question I asked you, what do you mean by disappear for those people who don't understand?
0: Yeah, great question. Um a few ways we could frame this. Um so we could say there's you know there's two polarities that make up the universe, the positive polarity, and the negative polarity. And this is very law of one based, but um a positively polarized view of the universe is uh we could say radiating. The positive polarity is radiating or outgiving, outpouring. Um, The negative polarity is in streaming or magnetic or attracting, uh, absorbing into itself. And so the negative, negatively polarized viewpoint of the universe is the personal one, the separation-based one. I am a person. I'm separate from this universe, separate from the environment, separate from the source really is what that means. And so it's like, look out for number one, fight to get to the top. Um, All that matters is me and everything else revolves around me. That's a negatively polarized view of the universe. Positively polarized is unity consciousness. Everything is myself. The whole universe is me. Uh, The world is my body. Everything is connected. And so I am just as concerned with the well-being and happiness of all beings as my own and so when we talk about disappearing it's it's sort of a way of saying this is like switching your view of the universe from a negatively polarized personal one to a universal one or a positively polarized and so how we do that in this spiritual path is to get rid of all the associations with the sense of i so we all have the sense of i or i am we all know ourselves as i And from the time you're born, all you have, you're a pure I. That's all you are. And as time goes forward, you get conditioned and socialized and all those things. You begin associating things with the I. I am Aaron. What is Aaron? Aaron is a body. Okay. I am Aaron the body. Uh, Aaron the body was abused. Aaron the body was abandoned. And Aaron, the body, uh, had a great upbringing, had great parents, whatever the story is. And it gets more complex as time goes on. And you just refer to that story as me. I am that story. And so in spirituality or on the pursuit of enlightenment, we talk about forgetting the past, removing the past, all past associations have to be eliminated from my concept of self. And then I'm alive and clear and free in the present moment. And I can know who I am. I can let reality tell me who I am rather than me trying to tell reality who I am. And that's where the magic happens. That's where we access that state of consciousness of universal love. And the person has no access to it. It just doesn't. They're, the positive and the negative are yin and yang. They're diametrically opposed. There's nowhere that they agree. Um, they're like oil and water. Like the presence of one is the absence of the other. They cancel each other out. So we actually, our souls come here truthfully to choose between those two polarities. Do I want to become a negatively polarized soul and evolve down the negative polarity or a positively polarized soul and move down the positive polarity? So at some point you're not going to, you're not going to exit this part of the video game, we could say, until you make that decision and your soul will keep coming back here until it has made that decision. And once it has, you're eligible to continue your soul's journey elsewhere in the universe. So getting, disappearing is uh, a concession to this idea of getting rid of all the uh, concepts of self that I've added to that sense of I, all of my stories, all of my personal Agendas, desires, attachments, because those are the things that give me a negatively polarized view of the universe. And that's what creates suffering. So it's like, if you want to be happy and free, you have to get rid of that stuff. Meaning you have to stop defining yourself by it. You'll always remember your past. You'll always know about your past, but it no longer has to have any say on who you are in the present moment. And then you're free to become love and love is what we're all looking for. Whether we realize it or not, love is happiness. Love is freedom. And at some point when you realize that you become very serious about healing the past and ridding your sense of self from the past. And then you can get to know who you are now as this ever evolving, unfolding mystery that the universe has made. I mean, that's where self-love is, right? Everyone wants to find self-love through the stories and accomplishments. And I love myself because I've done all these things in the past, but it's like, that doesn't bring happiness because ego is a slave driver. It's always going to crack the whip and force you to live up to those identities. I don't care if you were so great in the past and accomplished all these things. Who are you now? Prove it again now. And so you're always unsatisfied, always in this rat race to prove yourself. And for what? For who? Just for a self-image that doesn't really exist. So truthfully, the opposite is what you want to do. Getting rid of all that stuff and needing all that stuff is the invitation to freedom.
1: Oh, so good. (laughs) That was so good. Okay, so let's kind of make it a little bit simplified. Happy for no reason. (laughs) Happy for no reason. And waking up in the morning, instead of the what do I want? You know, what do I need today? Yes. Instead of that question, it's like, how can I serve? Because here's the thing. Yeah. Happiness Denotes serving. I mean, it's just like when you're happy, all you want to do is Hundred percent. Yeah. And so, even I'm thinking about even in a very practical way. So the thing I think about first thing I wake up is, Ooh, what's for breakfast? So that's still the question of I, right? What do I feel like eating? But even mm-hmm. our choices in what we eat can be of service to humanity in some way. To mm-hmm. speak to vegans about that you know like and um i i choose sort of a vegan option mostly vegan because i see the destruction that are a lot of the food that we generate on this planet does to the environment and i'm like okay if i'm going to make a choice that serves the whole i'm going to make different choices in mm-hmm. what i eat that's that's my gig so it in everything that we think instead of what do i want how can I serve, you know, what's better, what's better for the collective? Cause I'm part of a whole, would that be like disappearing that, that, that disappearing the ego?
0: Yeah, absolutely. The, the I is always there. The sense of I is, is um, unchangeable within you. You can't get rid of it. It's what you are. You are the sense I am. And so if your view of I am is negatively polarized, then that I am is somehow lacking and incomplete always. So your relationship to your sense of I will always be, how do I fulfill the I? How do I enhance it? How do I validate it? And so everything you do will be operating inwardly about you. But when you know that the I that you are is already complete and perfect and infinite and needs nothing, then the I becomes radiating. And you want to give that I to others. You want to extend it. And so anytime you reach beyond yourself to give to another, uh, on the positive polarity, giving and receiving are the same thing because that's radiation, right? So if I extend love to another or service to another, it actually enhances my own polarity. It helps me spiritually polarize even more. So when you see that, then yeah, your only desire becomes to serve, to give, to love, to continue reaching beyond yourself. Because really, it actually is service to self in a roundabout way. Because again, all the love you give is the love you receive in, in like manner.
1: Absolutely. And I think that, you know, chewing on these concepts and understanding it is very different to living it. And the hardest mm-hmm. place to live this is inside intimate relationships. So how do how do I how do I be in service to the I and in service to the other at the same time? Where is that meeting? Um, do I just like serve the other and forget about my needs? You know, I think that that's a question a lot of people in relationship are grappling with, um, because we we have relationship because we think we're going to get something out of it, right? So there's an I yep. there. I'm oh gonna- yeah. I'm going to get me some fun and some loving and you know i'm going to get me some good times and mm-hmm. uh <laughs> so how do you feel that this works inside intimate relationship
0: mm-hmm. well firstly let's look at what we've associated with the I in that question um how do i serve the other and myself and have my needs met what is that i it's actually the body right so we've attached i am the body So then we have these questions like, but if I'm selfless all the time, how do I make meet my own needs? It's like, well, but you have no needs. The body has needs, but you're not a body. So in the same sense, the body becomes another uh, being to be served and to be loved and to be cared for. The body is your vehicle to experience you as the I. need a vehicle because you're formless. You have no form. So the body is your vehicle and your your vessel. So that radiating love also extends to the body because the more you know yourself as pure awareness, that sense of I, then the body appears to be outside of me now. The body is an object in my awareness. And so you feel the same sense of love for your own body as you would for the body of another person you love. And so you want to feed it the best food. You want to exercise it to make it as healthy and happy while it's here because that's what love does, right?
1: Yes, yes. I keep muting myself and putting you on speaker because you just, <laughs> it's just so good. I just get out of the way, let you go for it. Uh, yeah. So I guess I didn't get okay, to the intimate so relationships what, part though. Okay. Intimate, get, get to the now, intimate yeah. relationship part. Okay.
0: Yeah. So this is why I'm, a, I'm always a huge uh, proponent of relationships because they really are the greatest catalyst for spiritual growth. And the Law of One talks about this quite a bit. That, um, th- so there's kind of, uh, a misconception I've noticed in the spiritual community where people, I get this question a lot. People will ask, um, so I guess the more enlightened you become and the more, um, you go beyond your ego, does love just become polyamorous and relationships are out the window and you just share it and give it to whoever, cause it's all universal. And, you know, it would seem like that might be logical, but what's funny is, and this has been my experience, and when I read it in the Law of One, I was like, yes, thank you like for putting words to this intuition I've had. The more you go beyond yourself, your ego, the more that an intimate relationship with another being becomes even more attractive because you realize that you're, being, you're sort of being initiated into service to another so it's like, it's the best way to go beyond yourself is to devote your life to another being, which again, doesn't mean you don't take care of yourself, but in the sense of like, I, my priority is your highest good and your happiness and fulfillment. And if that's your intention in a relationship, then it will bring about, I'm gonna close these blinds. It will bring out of you, um, it will require of you all of your blind spots and your imbalances, to be recognized because if you're going to love that person, you're going to have to get rid of all the the weapons you have hiding inside of you, right? The defenses, the walls you have built up against love, those are going to be exposed at some point. And if you really want to love your partner, you've got to heal those things, right? And what Ra explains in the law of one is that um, intimate relationships are actually sort of the, um, what's the term I'm looking for? Um, Intimate relationships are very signature. That's the word I'm looking for. They're the sort of the signature of higher density beings because they higher density beings are really only concerned with how do I continue to evolve? How do I polarize even more, continue this journey of evolution? And the intimate relationship becomes one of the most powerful catalysts because one, you have to overcome your own sexual ego first. And a lot of what's and this is not judgmental at all. This is just what I've observed. A lot of what I see in the polyamorous spiritual community is that people are using polyamory as a spiritual excuse to really gratify their sexual ego and sleep with as many right. people as possible. Because, well, I'm, I'm so enlightened now that I can't be in a relationship with someone. So I just give it away to as many people as I can because it's universal. It's like actually, there's a sexual ego, there's there's an attachment to lust that hasn't been dealt with there. Because the real thing is like, why do you need to give it away to so many people? What's so unfulfilled in you that you're on this like endless quest to satisfy this sexual lust? And it's really an imbalance in the system that needs to be corrected. Because true sexual energy exchange happens when it's not about you, when it's about giving love to your partner. That's where the positive polarity shines in sexual energy exchange. So you got to get beyond yourself to get to that point. But when you do, let me tell you what, like you will spiritually evolve more than you can believe.
1: Right. Absolutely. Shakti Gawain, who um, wrote a book many years ago called um, Creative Visualization said, Personal relationship is the best personal growth course in town. Do not sure avoid is. them. <laughs> do, not, <laughs> do not avoid them. Yeah. So um, see to the soul guy, what's his name? Gary Zucroff. He, Gary, said the same, yeah. he said the same thing like a soulmate relationship is that relationship that is going to press all your buttons <laughs> It's going to totally piss you off because it's going to show you where you're to use the law of one terms, negatively polarized or where you're still holding your distortions resistance or your distortions. Uh, so bless those relationships that press your buttons. Cause yes. it's, yeah, it's going to reveal what needs to be, mm-hmm. or what could be choice. It's always choice. What can be transformed or positively. polarized. Yeah.
0: And you know what else too, what Ross says is that whenever two beings come together and join in one singular intention to seek the one creator, Mm -hmm. Ross says it has uh, what they call the doubling effect. So like two intentions joined, it creates a doubling effect where the capacity for seeking has now literally doubled for both entities. Mm. And Mm. we can see that in maybe the opposite context where it's like, you know, we understand in, spiritual, in spirituality that our challenges are the invitation to growth. Like right. you really don't grow until you meet your life challenges, your triggers, your imbalances with love, forgiveness, compassion, and that's how you grow and expand, right? right? So it's like, how easy is it to be untriggered and to be at peace and undisturbed if you're all by yourself and you get to do whatever you want all the time and play by your own rules? Well, if you're with another person, another being, and you're serving them and living to living for them as well as yourself equally, then all of a sudden you don't just play by your own rules, but you're in a partnership. And that again, like we said, that partnership is going to trigger you and bring things out of you that you'd never have triggered otherwise. So if you really want to grow, um, that becomes a very attractive option. And I think that there's no judgment either way. And it definitely is some people's path to be alone. And that is another way, depending on what lesson that soul is trying to learn, that might be their path. So there's no one size fits all here.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I want to speak about polyamory because uh, it's, it's very big in the, you know, my daughter's generation and she identifies as that as well. Mm-hmm. She identifies as, you know, non, what do you call it? You know, I love who I love. I don't worry about the sex. Binary, uh, I think.
0: <laughs> I no, that's that different. What, you
1: know? <clears throat> and uh, is it? Well, Something anyway, like that. And, I
0: get confused with uh, all the terms.
1: <laughs> I do see this. Yeah, I know. I do see this. I said to her one day in the car years ago, Are you pan pansexual? Mm, and she's like, That's it. What's that? And I said, You you don't you just love who you love, you don't worry, male, female, doesn't matter. And she goes, Yeah, that's me. I'm pansexual. But I see this in the younger generation, which is a part of our evolutionary path. And this whole polyamory thing is too, I do agree with you about. Uh, using it as an excuse to have you know, many sexual gratifications and partners and feeling loved by many, which makes the ego feel better than being loved by one. But yeah. there is a freedom in it that I have seen with her too, which just totally lights me up. Like she was at a confest with a, her partner, one of her partners that she was practicing this with. And he wanted to go off and play and flirt with girls and kiss girls and have fun like kid in a candy shop. And she wasn't into it. And so he went off and did that and came back and told her about, you know, all his fun adventures. And they're in relationship. They're in committed relationship. And um, and they're, in, they're, they're having this conversation with each other. So they're talking. I remember as a young girl, I thought to myself, I wish I had a boyfriend that I loved as much as my best friend. Mm-hmm. Because my best friend can tell me all about her relationship problems and I'll love her anyway. Mm-hmm. But your boyfriend can't. You know, like they're talking they're you know. So anyway, I did experience that. So there is a freedom in that, which you know, you just have to drop the but do you love her more than me? There's just a whole lot of freedom in that that I find really quite exciting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's growth there's growth in everything and growth everywhere. And there's absolutely a a way to live that lifestyle with integrity. Right. Um, Yeah. And and yeah. I've seen I've seen so many distortions from people in that community Right. that there's, there's so many ways that it can be abused in the wrong way. So obviously like, there's a big opportunity there for growth. If you can do it the right way,
1: but like monogamy as well, there's so mm-hmm. many distortions inside that,
0: yeah.
1: you know, system of relationship monogamy. Yeah.
0: What yeah. I mean is like using that philosophy as an excuse right, to manipulate yeah. people mm-hmm. and um, what I can say, I won't say who this person is, but if I said this person's name, most people listening would know who he is. But there was uh, another spiritual teacher about my age, pretty much my exact same age, who I was a fan of for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically when I moved here, we connected and he invited me to hang out. And um, this was how I met my ex actually.
1: Okay.
0: Um, and long story short, uh, I met her at this person's um house he invited a bunch of people over and i figured out pretty quick like oh it's sort of like a we're in like a free love cult because mm-hmm. like it was it threw me off guard because his his girlfriend was like coming onto to me really hard in front of him and i was like what's going on here and uh and my ex um her name was sylvana she figured it out too And we were looking at each other like are you yeah this you're picking this up too and we had never met So we just kind of hit it off and started talking because we were like uncomfortable with what was going on around Mm -hmm. us. And long story short, after I left for the night, um, she had stayed the night. It was like a big mansion of a house, like eight bedrooms. And she crashed there in one of the bedrooms because she had drank too much to want to drive home. And long story short, this guy came in and and was trying to sleep with her and stuff. And she was like, please, like, I'm not into this. I don't even know who you are. And she ended up leaving at like 5 a.m. And he sends her this long text message saying like, oh, I felt such a connection with you. And basically, um, we practice free love here. And we do that because I have a gift for helping women to become enlightened if they sleep with me. Oh, so, you know, God. like that's the purpose yeah. of our cult is to enlighten people through sex. Right. So things like that, it was like used in a really weird, distorted way. But right. I, you're absolutely right. Like any form of relationship at all has propensity for all kinds of imbalances and stuff right so it's all the same at the end of the day integrity
1: yeah and it all serves us too even the imbalance even the distortion there's you know there's personal there's growth in all of that and boundaries you know i was telling you before we press the recording that i was speaking at a, a festival recently and there was a big um There was a big meeting around boundaries and men and women, and it turned into this big thing that sort of overtook the festival because this is a huge conversation, especially maybe not so much in my generation, but in the younger generation. And when I was younger, you know, the whole sexual boundaries um, as this sort of free love and is exploding in the conscious community, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. There was a young girl in the group who (laughs) said that she was dancing at the Radiance dance thing. And a man had come up to her and said, Oh my God, you're so sexy. And she was so affronted at that. She was so insulted and she was there sort of (laughs) complaining about being sexy. And I nudged my girlfriend who, She's younger than me, but she's like me. She's chubby. And I said, well, if someone said it to us, we'd be like, oh, thank you.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so <laughs> how you're responding is really not about, you know, yeah. if it's bad or good. It's like, what's inside you? Why do you find someone who right, is right. sexy as an insult? It's a, so yeah. such a big topic, right?
0: Everything's a catalyst.
1: <laughs> right. Anyway, let's get into some of the questions from uh, from the, the mob. Ooh, I wanted to touch on the Ten Commandments too. I was listening to you speak with Alex Zek on the Way Forward podcast. And mm. I thought that was really interesting, what you said about the Ten Commandments and distortion. Will we go yeah. there or we get into the let's let's go there before we get into the questions? Okay, so um, you said about the Ten Commandments. He was asking about entities... Um, a conversation so many people have in the spiritual community entities sort of getting in our brain and 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 um attaching to us and influencing us, influencing our thoughts. And mm-hmm. you said something about uh the 10 commandments, do you want to go over that?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, I think what we were talking about is how the 10 commandments are a distortion of the law of one because uh, Ross says that the entity was named Yahweh. It was a a social memory complex that was working with um, Moses and the Israelites to help them be freed from slavery and all that. And the teaching was, behold, O Israel, the Lord, your God is one. That's the law of one. But then a a service to self entity or a negatively polarized entity was trying to, as they always do, uh, interfere with that and and twist it and distort it to become service to self. And the service to self entities are extremely wise and cunning and crafty. You'll almost never realize they have had some foul play in it until like long down the road, you know, and you see the effects of it and you go, oh, we've gone astray somewhere. Way back here at this point is where the influence happened. So as as crafty as the negative path is, the positive path must learn to be equally wise, right? So in the same way that the 10 commandments became a distortion of the law of one, because the 10 commandments are all thou shalt, thou shalt not thou shalt, thou shalt not. And again, we've talked about the negative path is self-oriented. So the religion paints a picture of God. That's like, I need you to do things and not do certain things for me. If you want to please me, if you want to serve me as your God, then thou shalt not do X, Y, Z. So it's really an infringement of free will. Whereas the true creator would never say thou shalt or thou shalt not. It's like, Hey, do whatever you want. I have no, I have no desire for you to be a certain way for me. That's the positive path, unconditional love. Absolutely. If you want to know how to know me, I'll, I'll give you, I'm glad to teach you, right. Absolutely. Become love, become wisdom, become light, but I'm not going to tell you what to do. Cause that's infringement of free will.
1: Absolutely. Uh, th- see this was what really spoke to me because that's my experience with what i call my mob or uh, you know we, some people call it god or spirit guides or whatever you want to call it. i just call it the mob uh yeah they <laughs> wow. never tell me never tell me what to do and they guide yeah. me constantly and talk to me constantly but never tell me what to do so when i hear people saying oh i was told i have to do this and i have to do that by my spirit guides i'm like
0: Oh, no, you aren't. Really?
1: (laughs) Yeah, because here's the thing. We've got free will. So if we've got free will, we are ultimately at choice in our decisions, right? So I'm Mm -hmm. at choice. There's not you have to. You have, you know, like there's no you have to. So I found that really fascinating that the commandments are commandments. Um, Exactly. I, I think that Neil Donald Walsh in the Conversation with God books talked about them and said, well, there can be 10 commitments, you know, that you can yeah. uh, try be to a better way of
0: looking at it. Yeah.
1: Rather than command 10
0: devotions ten
1: devotions. Yeah. Cause <laughs> see
0: that's, this is how the service to self path works. All the commandments are good in theory, right? Like thou uh-huh. shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, commit adultery, lie. So I... th- this is how the service to self path works. They use the light and distort it and manipulate it. Like they'll never show. Be like, hey, I'm the bad guy in the movie. Uh, let me tell you what to do now to be a bad guy like me. They say, hey, I'm an angel of light. I come in the name of God. And so here's what God wants you to do. Right? That's how they talk. So they're saying good things, right? Introducing the negative polarity by saying you must do this. And that's the infringement of free will because this is where we get into embodiment. Right? We touched on this earlier you can have concepts in the mind, you can learn spiritual truths, but they make their home in your heart and in, and you embody them only through living them in life, right? Learning like, like life teaches words, don't teach. So you learn truth by experiencing it in life. So concepts are not bad, but they're just pointers, Mm-hmm. Meaning you listen, you read a course in miracles that says, Hey, learn to forgive people. That's the path to heaven. And you go, okay, forgiveness is the path to heaven. Got it. That's a new concept. And then best friend lies about you, and you go, you son of a whatever. <laughs> and then you go, Oh, oh, concept said forgiveness is what I should do. So let me try. And then you have to actually do the work right. and work in your heart on forgiving them and understanding that they're just where they are and all those things. And yeah. through doing that, And applying that truth, you actually begin to embody it. And that's how your vibration increases. It doesn't increase through learning a concept. So the negative path robs you of that experience by saying, here's what you do. Here's the answer to the test. Or don't do this or do that. And that's why the positive path knows, no, no, this being must learn it in reality. So making a mistake is not a bad thing because we learn through mistakes. Right. So the, the positive path has no need to be like, you need to definitely do this and definitely not do that because they'll learn soon enough because life will teach them.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, you know, learning something intellectually can raise your vibe. I, I, there are many times where I would sit up in bed at night reading my books and these concepts would be, uh, I would remember them. Like I think that we remember them. And, and there is this, yes. and then your heart explodes open with that, oh my God, this is my truth. And that sort of explosion of realizing that this is a story, a narrative that you can take on that's more your truth than what you've been fed through school and society and religion. Uh, So is that, that can really raise your vibe. Yeah.
0: Where that's, where that applies is because you, you can't absolutely use concepts in your own life through your own memory, right? Like you learn a truth and then you go, oh, and you look to your past and go, oh, all those grievances, those judgments. Right. I see now where I went wrong. And you right. can apply that truth in the heart, right. just in your own mind, right? Yeah. Whether you do it that way or through learning in an actual experience, um, doesn't really matter because the same thing is happening, but ego gets enhanced when you have a concept and think the concept alone is the, the golden ticket or something. And it's right. really not. It's how you apply that concept.
1: Yeah look, I've done this with friends and clients and, you know, about the forgiveness thing. Uh, my father's second wife, my first stepmother, tortured me as a child. And then I'm she's showing up in all my spiritual community, right? And so I've got this <laughs> ugly history. And there she is in front of me saying, I am love and light. I'm now spiritually oh, wow! Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. So how am I going to meet this, you know? How am I going to meet this? And um but anyway, there was a moment before my dad died that I, uh, so now she's spiritually enlightened. And when I asked her, you know, have you contacted him? Because he was now on his third wife and uh, they were long divorced and, and, and done the, you know, have you sort of done the forgiveness thing for all the trauma that you put yourself through and passed through? And, uh, and he's just, no, I've forgiven him in my heart, but I don't need to speak to him. You know, I don't need to confront that in a, per- and I always think that that's a cop out. I kind of make people (laughs) like you've got this opportunity to like you know do it in the physical like ring the guy up yeah and and make peace with because it was such an ugly part it was so ugly um and it tortured all the children but she didn't but she said no i've forgiven him in my heart but she didn't want to like take that extra step and then he died uh so what do you think about that do you think people need to take the action
0: Yeah, you know, it's, it's case by case in a lot of ways. But I do think love absolutely will compel you to reach out to people and make things right if there's ever an opportunity. And I think where the exception to that rule is, is when that's just not available. If let's say the person that you want to have that conversation with is totally closed off to it, has you know, killed you in their heart, never wants to speak to you again, then maybe there isn't an opportunity to have that conversation. So in that case, what matters most is that you've forgiven them in your heart. Right. But I think the inner is the outer, right? Like if you've really forgiven someone, it should and probably will translate to you wanting to make that right with them in the physical as well.
1: Right, yeah, absolutely. You know, I reached out to him Uh, He abused me and beat me up as a kid and it was all pretty ugly. And I apologized. Like I reached out to him and I apologized. And it was really interesting. I had three men. I was young. I was in my 30s. I had three men in my life that I was in discord with. My ex-husband, my brother and my father. And here I was this young girl wanting to get a relationship a man to love me and I did this course and it's like clean up the messes you've made in your life you're looking for someone to love you but the people that you love you're not loving so it's it just totally yeah. made sense to me so I totally, totally reached out and you know did the whole you know please forgive me for my part in whatever's happened uh, even though I look like the innocent child I still had to take responsibility and, and, and take you know for my part in it yeah. And I had three completely different responses. Dad took no responsibility. <laughs> my brother just right. broke down in tears and said, oh, my God, I love you so much. I've missed you so much. And my oh, ex-husband, yeah. I know, and my ex-husband was kind of like, yeah, yeah, okay, great, F- fine, good, good, yeah, mm, yeah, yeah, good, 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 okay, thanks, yeah, good, thanks. You know, like he didn't really know what to do. He
0: was very uncomfortable. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but so it was interesting to see the three different responses to the same yeah. Uh, reaching out and wanting to clean up the messes and um, yeah but it really wasn't about what they were going to give me it was about what I was giving giving them and giving me really I suppose that freedom freedom from the angst freedom
0: I've noticed that pattern a lot in parents who've been abusive to their kids especially and it can happen in any relationship dynamic but parents who are abusive to their kids typically do not have the capacity to even acknowledge it because it's so incredibly painful. Yeah. They feel so evil on the inside that it's easier to just right. be like, no, I didn't. I never abused you. Come on. Yeah. You're making that up. Yeah. I see that all the time. And it's like, Ooh, that's a, that's a definite reincarnator right there. Like your soul's oh, yeah. going to definitely need to come back a few more lifetimes to work that one out. And yeah, typically the way they have to work it out is they have to reincarnate as a child who gets abused. Whew. Well, so they can see what it's like from the other side of the story and then have the resource to be like, oh, please forgive me. Yeah. You know, the souls learn these lessons uh, by incarnating here to play them out. So if you can forgive in this lifetime, do it because you're going to save yourself, you know, maybe a whole nother lifetime of karma to work out.
1: Well, there's that, and there's just that when you do, it just feels damn good, and everything you want, you want because freedom feels pretty good, doesn't it? (laughs) Freedom feels pretty good. Like we can talk about the next life and the afterlife and karma and all that, but it's just like in the moment, in the now, when you let go of the angst and you return to freedom and soul, it just feels so good. Just like you said, that's been happening to you this year. You know, this ever expanding love that you connect to, and that the yeah, yeah. just yeah. feel yourself okay that was cool that was very cool moses and the ten commandments that was very cool so if you've got some spirit guy telling you what to do <laughs> maybe ask him <laughs> to go away <laughs> i don't know yeah. <laughs> people are always afraid of these negative entities telling them what to do and, and sort of um getting in there but i don't think you've got anything to the more freedom that you evoke and the more love that you have you can't really be a vibrational match to that energy i was thinking at the time when you yeah. were discussing that Moses must have been having a bad day. (laughs) He was attracting that sort of uh, frequency and, um, you know, he he had a hard life. Okay. So some questions, how do we make peace with our soul's desire plan? How do we keep the ego at bay? This is from the beautiful Yannette who just thinks you're the bee's knees. Sorry, (laughs) (laughs) Yannette.
0: The bee's knees. I haven't heard that one in a while. The cat's pajamas. (laughs)
1: <laughs> How do we make peace with our soul's desire plan? It's an interesting question. I'm not really sure what kind she of two
0: different means questions
1: means about it. Yeah, our soul's desire. Maybe she
0: means plan. like um, maybe my soul came here to experience some difficult catalysts, right? Like growing up being abused and stuff, right? Um, so I would say you make peace with it by looking to the lesson being offered. As long as you're looking at the surface layer of the the trauma, the pain, the challenge then you'll always be at that stuck at that level. But if you can look the level beyond it, a level deeper, and you see, oh, my soul's trying to learn how to forgive and how to love or whatever, then when you meet it there, you pass the test, you, you learn the lesson. And what I try to explain to a lot of my students in my courses is suffering carries so much gravity and so much weight until it doesn't. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. Once you transcend, um, your, whatever the suffering is, once you go beyond it and find freedom from it, it has no consequence at all. Right. Like thinking about it doesn't hurt. It doesn't leave any footprints in you anymore. No traces at all. You're completely free. So that's really the only encouragement I can give people is look, just work on the lesson, find the forgiveness, transcend that catalyst. And I promise you everything that haunts you now will not be there. It just won't.
1: Absolutely. I can talk about my horrible history, my past, and I have a great old laugh at it, you know, like just without any trauma connected to the story. And you can
0: be grateful for it.
1: And grateful for it. Completely grateful. grateful for it. Absolutely grateful for it. Mom's getting sick and dying when I was a kid and dad getting all abusive and, you know, that whole sort of stuff. Absolutely grace and reverence and gratitude for everything that I've lived. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it brought me here to talk to you, the gorgeous Aaron Abke. Okay, so, <laughs> or Aaron, some say we are here to learn lessons, earth school. Others say we are here for source to have an experience in love. What do you say is her question?
0: Some say we're here to learn lessons. Some say we're here to have experience.
1: Yeah, just to have experiences, um, to have experiences about love, in love. You know, in order to know yeah. love more deeply, you have to not know love. And so we ex- explore density. And then when we return to love, we understand love in a new way.
0: So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely both. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the universe is so, it's just, it's fractal in nature, right? It just keeps going inwards forever and outwards forever. So there isn't just one singular reason or purpose for any of it. Um, sometimes I like to use the analogy of a dancer. mm mm-hmm in the middle of a dance performance, or just anyone, da- if you're not performing, just somebody lost in a dance, you, you never would go up to somebody dancing and be like, excuse me, um, what's your like purpose for doing this? Because mm-hmm. they would look at you like you're an idiot. It's mm-hmm. like the dancing is the purpose. Like mm-hmm. it's, it is what it is. It's fun. It's, it's joy, it's happiness. And so that's we could say one of the reasons the universe exists, it's because it's just a dance. It's just an emanation of the source expressing itself. Mm -hmm. But also part of the way it is expressing itself is through evolution. Mm -hmm. And that's how it's knowing itself. So it is here to dance and to sing and to play and hear the music and also to learn, to study, to evolve, to grow, because really that's also music in that sense. Mm -hmm. That's also a dance, just a different kind of dance. So there's never one right way to look at it, right? you have to yeah. look at it from many different angles to see
1: absolutely. it. Absolutely, all perspectives, absolutely.
0: Yeah.
1: Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, more questions. Are the worldly beings? Oh, you're totally getting into the ETs. I'm loving that conversation. I'm totally yeah. loving that conversation. <laughs> Same. Otherworldly <laughs> beings are here. How are they supporting our ascension process? she asks.
0: Mm. So many ways. I think just just by exposing their presence to us in the way that they are is in and of itself helping our ascension. One of the things that Ra says in the Law of One, when they ask about the UFO phenomenon, why do we see UFOs? What's their purpose for showing themselves? And Ra says that there are, at any time there are seven or seven to 15 different planetary civilizations showing up here right now. And they are, revealing themselves in various ways, in mysterious ways, to open our planetary consciousness to infinity. And then they say, which is often best expressed as the mysterious or the unknown. So like to understand that we are in this infinite thing, maybe the best way to do that is to show you don't have it all figured out. It's always escaping you. It's always a mystery. It it keeps going. It's always going to outrun you. You'll never catch it. And so we have all of our arrogance as humans here that we know everything. And uh, we have all the, we've mostly figured it out. Maybe there's a few things we don't know yet, gravity and a couple other things. But for the most part, we got this universe figured out. And then we see these triangular crafts silently appearing and zipping in and out of existence and disappearing. And we're just like, uh, must be a visual phenomenon. And we can't accept that there are f- vastly more advanced beings in the universe that are here also. And uh, that's, that's too far out of our reference frame, right? So just engaging with that phenomenon in and of itself is a consciousness expanding thing. But then secondly, they are here to monitor our civilization's evolution and the degree to which they can have contact with us depends on our receptibility to them and our acknowledgement of them. Like They're not going to come land on our planet and walk among us until we have a consensus as a civilization that, hey, we acknowledge you and we invite you. We want you to come hang out with us. Then it's not, from their point of view, an infringement anymore. And so that relationship that we're going to have and are having with them is also a consciousness-expanding thing. And then thirdly, we have communication with them through thought, through channeling, and these amazing channeled materials like the Law of One. Course in Miracles, the Seth works, obviously most of what I teach is channeled works and most of my spiritual growth, the vast majority of it, I would, I would owe to channeled works. The the things I've learned and the, the degree and this acceleration or the speed from which I have been able to evolve has been because of these works. They're just unparalleled. Like I don't find spiritual works written by humans that have the, the capacity to expand my consciousness like these channeled works do because they're just coming from much higher sources of intelligence and these beings, although they don't want to openly come among us to teach us, these things are still trying to do so in ways that don't infringe, like through channeling and other ways like that. So we, they have way more impact on us than we can possibly imagine. I think only in the future, looking backwards, we'll be able to see just how much they helped our planet evolve.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. So you say these beings they don't want to openly come across, uh, you know, among us. I think they do. You know?
0: No, no, they do. Jesus was they an alien. <laughs> yeah, they, they do. They just can't because it would infringe on our free will and it would actually depolarize them. They would lose spiritual polarity. If they just landed on the White House front lawn, essentially.
1: Well, true. But then you talk about the wanderers or the law of one talks about the wanderers. So the soul that has graduated earth school, if you like, and um, returns, you know, incarnates back into a physical body with the uh, challenge that you could like lose your way and collect some more karma and start from zero all again um, to be a teacher, to, to be a teacher. So. You're, you're well off in galactic, you know, cosmos and having different experiences in life. And then you come back to the earth school, especially at this time in our, you know, in our history where we're transitioning into a new consciousness. There are many yeah. wanderers here that are specifically more. here to help that transition process. So you do come back, or well, can come back into like you, Aaron, collective <laughs> <galactic> dude, <laughs> here in this physical form, uh, teaching Possibly, us who knows? Possibly. Well, that was a question, you know, do you identify or have you connected to your galactic lineage, chatted to your galactic mob?
0: I haven't. I haven't gotten into any of that, um, only because I don't want to be distracted by things that I necessarily can't prove. And so if I did connect with them, it would have to be in a way that was just very much um, undeniable in a a certain way, but also something that I, that's, that seeks me out. If it's part of my destiny to know my galactic lineage, um, you came from the Pleiades from this certain planet, you're of this race or whatever. Um, while I'm here as a human, I don't really care too much because it's not totally relevant. Not that it's wrong to look into that or be interested in that for me personally, I'm just not super interested in it. And so if it was going to come into my path, I would, it would probably have to be something that, Um, came from elsewhere to, you know, maybe it was part of my destiny to learn or or discover. I'm probably not going to do too much work of my own accord to go seek those answers out, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. I was talking to a beautiful young man who was channeling the archangels and we were discussing uh, karma and incarnation and uh, and astral worlds. And I asked him a question about, because there are astral worlds that are very, you know, physical and human-like. You know, can, oh, yeah. we work, can we work out our karma on these astral worlds? And he said, no, you have to actually incarnate into this density in order to work on the karma that you've accrued in this density. And
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: But you can practice in those astral worlds. <laughs> you know, you can sort of yeah, like have a I trust rehearsal. And he said, you know, he was talking very linearly and it doesn't happen in this linear mind, but we're going to talk like that because it's how we understand it. He said, you know, when you've had difficult lives on earth um, and you're sort of grappling with stuff, often you can take a break and just go off and, and have galactic lives in you know, a sort of easier, uh, and and have understanding in those lives, and then come back and sort of finish mm-hmm. the work you're doing here. So it was beautiful to hear that you know it's you can sort of mix it up, you know. Like we, yeah. If, if Earth is just too troubling, you can sort of hang out on in the Pleiades or Arcturus. and.
0: Right. Right and uh, the free be, will universe baby yeah
1: be amongst societies where you're not grappling with the same density and, and problems and uh, and then mm-hmm. and learn lessons in, in those worlds and then come back to earth school and like do it again so right. uh, well that was interesting
0: that's the the conundrum of the wanderer right get getting karmically involved there's a, a huge benefit to wandering into third density because the amount of growth you can have is unparalleled to any other density, but there's also equal amount of risk of maybe making some missteps and getting karmically involved and then having to come back again to work that stuff out. So typically souls who do, in, do wander, either one, they, they see that they have a whole lot to gain from mm-hmm. it. And they're willing to just take that risk mm-hmm. or they're very, very advanced souls that are very confident in their vibrational nature that right. they feel like I'll penetrate the veil and I'll remember who I am and I won't get too karmically involved and I can actually fulfill my soul's purpose there.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. She's got a couple of other questions, which I think probably would be best in your leadership school, uh, you know, to put in your courses because she wants to know how she can, um, uh, utilise her leadership skills and leverage change because uh, she is in a position where she is a leader and what's the most effective, uh, effective use of my leadership powers that supports this work? I think that's a question maybe not for a, uh, the show. Anyway, and Lisha has a question. My question is, what is his personal experience with telepathy and will that become a part of what he teaches, what you teach?
0: hmm well, telepathy from one human to another, I haven't experienced, um,
1: yes, but you have. I
0: would love to. <laughs> <laughs> now, Maybe yes, I, haven't, I haven't realized it. I'm
1: going to tell you, look, this is my ex-husband said this to me. He, he used to be a Hare Krishna. I'm going to tell you this story that's come up. Uh, and he was always saying, how do you do it? I can't do it. How do you do it? I, I can't do it. Anyway, we moved one time and he kept asking me, like, where do you want this? Where do you want that? As if he couldn't make a decision for himself and I was boss, right? I'm pretty bossy, so I get it. But it was frustrating me and he had this big book. It was a big painting book of Hare Krishna art. It was beautiful. It was massive. Anyway, he said to me, where do you want me to put this? And I was so, over him asking this question in my head, I said, I don't give a damn, you shove it up your ass. That's what I said. Him <laughs> <back>. <laughs> you know what he said to me? He said,
0: a, What did he say?
1: No, I'm not going to shove it up my ass.
0: <laughs> no way.
1: And I'm like, And you said you didn't read my mind. Like, he directly used the same words I thought, right? And I'm wow. like, You say that you're not telepathic. So, I'm saying this because often we don't un- we don't realize we're doing it all the time.
0: For sure, for Seth sure. Seth
1: said in the Seth books, we're all at a subconscious level communicating telepathically, and oh, yeah. expansion of awareness is just being aware that you're doing that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah,
0: absolutely. Like communicating through emotions and intuition is like always happening, and that's mm-hmm. telepathy, really. Um, I when I hear the word telepathy, I always think of like thought to thought idea communication, uh, which people can do. Some people can do it. Um, I haven't dabbled too much in that, but but channeling is a form of telepathy, mm-hmm. and I've done a little bit absolutely. of that, so it's definitely something I'm very interested in cultivating for sure.
1: Talking to your animals is a form of telepathy. Talking to the earth, um, yeah, talking to your guides is a form of telepathy.
0: Right. Uh,
1: absolutely, and um, and in intimate relationship, I think we're doing it all the time. I always know what she's thinking. I always know what he's yeah. thinking. Uh, so I think we are doing it all the time. It's just having more awareness of when we're doing it and then being more deliberate in that. Yeah. Mm.
0: Yeah. A lot of it is joining your joining yourself with the beingness of the other entity you're communicating with. A lot of channelers they, they what they talk about is establishing that connection is what takes the most time, where they can feel the essence of the being that's channeling through them and they connect with that essence and then p- the person can speak through them, right? Mm-hmm. It's really connecting with the being of someone that is how you have telepathic telepathic communication. Absolutely. And that's that happens naturally in long-term romantic relationships, partnerships. You're, you share so much of that beingness and you get mm-hmm. to know it so intimately that, yeah, you feel at some point, like I can almost read their mind. Mm-hmm. It's pretty amazing.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I was talking to Michael Tamora, who's this gorgeous, beautiful master here on earth, spiritual teacher. And uh, he says that he, you know, he sees the soul of every person and communicates with that rather than the personality. And I said to him, yeah, I think i do that too. Like I can really read people. Like I can read what their ego wants and their personality wants and, you know, the desire of the flesh and whatever. And I can also read what their soul is here to do. And I said, how do you do that? And I remember he said, well, let's look at you. You're really interested in people. So that interest and that love creates a connection. And I'm like, oh, of course. There you go. It's that interest. There you go. It can be that simple. Okay. Good question from Sarah. Meditate. Is there a wrong way to meditate? I'm pretty sure the the first question that I'm going to come up with in my mind while I'm doing it is, am I doing this right? (laughs) I'm going to meditate. Am I doing this right? (laughs) I really, she says, I really appreciate all your work so very much. Super duper yeah. love ET contact with the Fermi paradox video. She loved that. I did too.
0: Oh, nice. I'm, encu-
1: I'm encouraged to meditate more and learn to astral travel. So is there a wrong way to meditate? Do you want to chat about that a bit?
0: Yeah. Well, what meditation, what we're trying to do in meditation is to disconnect our sense of self from that separate eye that, that is thinking and doing actions. You know, we're always in that role in, in ego consciousness. I'm the thinker, I'm the doer. And so when we begin to meditate, it feels weird because you're not the thinker. First of all, thoughts are happening all the time and you're really just observing them. And then there's the mental activity of identifying with them. That's what ego is, is the, the claimer. And so we get into meditation. Okay, I'm going to be still and be quiet and meditate am i doing it ah oh, i suck at meditating it's kind of what happens for a long time but really the presence of that thought doesn't mean you aren't meditating can you just be aware of the thought oh i noticed the mind created a thought am i meditating correctly i see that thought that's also appearing in awareness and now you're you're disconnecting from the thinker and becoming the observer that's all meditation is so it doesn't matter what appears because whatever appears is not me I'm pure awareness. Awareness doesn't appear or disappear. Awareness is. That's all meditation is.
1: I keep muting myself. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> so if I'm you can coughing, read your lips.
0: <laughs> if, I, if
1: I'm coughing and sniffling, I don't interrupt you. But uh, yeah, 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 it's a, so it's awareness. Yeah, absolutely. Meditation is awareness. So be aware that you're thinking, "Am I doing this right?" And just have a giggle at it. Go, oh, there you go. I'm thinking that. Yeah, it's awareness. Yeah. I I often just meditate just to I don't know just tune into the mob like uh, sometimes I just fall into it I'm getting dressed in the morning and I sit on the bed and think oh and I just like fall into this deep meditation yeah no agenda yeah. just I don't yeah. know stuff happens and it's just for me meditation is just to tap into that expanded awareness it's just yeah. get still and expand get still and yeah. expand and yeah oh it's just bliss I don't know it's, how often do you meditate what's your Well med- that's the thing is regime. it's
0: not it's not separate from ordinary life right it, meditation really isn't a practice that you sit down to do you can do it that way but meditation can and should be at some point going on all the time right meaning you're just abiding as the witness mm-hmm. like all kinds of phenomenal events can be happening outside you and Noise and calamity and hurricanes and you know buildings collapsing and whatever. Inwardly you're dead silent. Inwardly you're completely quiet because you're just the observer. You're just noticing, witnessing, watching. Everything is going on by itself. Meditation will teach you that. The body's doing actions. The mind is thinking thoughts. And then after the thought or the action, the mind claims it as me. I did that. I thought that. So you have to get very very still, like you just said. And, and quiet within yourself to watch these very subtle movements of the mind that are happening way beneath the surface level. And we're so caught up here. Meditation is to, again, like you said, sink down inwards, become still and quiet and you expand as the witness. So it's like an atmosphere. If you imagine um, a rocket ship taking off to try and leave the atmosphere. If you think of the, the rocket ship as a thought, and the mind is always launching these thought rockets all the time. And the atmosphere represents awareness. If the rocket makes it out of the atmosphere, that means you've claimed it and attached to it. So it's, it's got you, right? Meditation is sort of to expand the atmosphere within you so that the rocket ship has longer and longer to travel before it makes it out. Eventually the atmosphere is so expansive and vast that the rocket ship just runs out of fuel and crashes back down. So it can't escape your awareness anymore. So you no longer get pulled into these thoughts and you just go along with them and you act them out, but you're watching them and going, Oh, that's an unhelpful thought. Ooh, definitely don't want to attach to that thought and exactly. something in you is just this supreme intelligence just noticing everything and sort of it doesn't really snipe them out of the sky but it's how it almost feels at a certain point you're just catching all these little movements and going ah not going to catch me there over time as those rockets keep falling they they run out of fuel and they can't launch anymore and the mind just becomes still
1: right right I know yeah waking waking meditation waking awareness. So when you're in the upset or the discord, then you're aware that you're in it yeah. and then you're aware you have a choice. Yeah. Um, am I going to do that? Am I going to go down that road? How long are you going to be angry? How long are you going to let that piss you off? You're going to do that. Is that, is that, is that what are you going to choose? I was doing that yesterday. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it happens all the time. When you become aware. You're always having a choice yeah. to be made. Right. And the choice is always, do I want that or not? Do I want the effects of that thought is really the only question to be asked, right? The thought in and of itself is inconsequential. If the thought has no meaning for you, it has no consequences for you. But when the thought has some juice behind it, the question to ask is, "Ooh, do I want the consequence of attaching to that thought? And Mm -hmm. when you can answer that solidly, that's freedom.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Um, are you still good to go? Yeah. We've been chatting for about an hour and a, uh, 20 minutes. I made time uh, for you, Karen. So did you? Yeah. Thank you, darling one. <laughs> um, I, I was listening to a conversation you were having. Where were you having this conversation? What else after enlightenment? And you, des, uh, as you described Ra as an ET in another dimension and Jesus in fourth density, I can't remember what that conversation was. Also the concept of time and reincarnation when you talked about group mind and telepathy, oneness and purging or collective karma. I, it was something that I was geeking out at when I sent you the email, but it was a couple of months ago now and I can't remember what that was. What yeah, after? Yeah. What else after enlightenment? It was such a juicy conversation. I think you were having with somebody else on another show.
0: Yeah, it's escaping me.
1: What else me. after it is escaping you? What else after enlightenment?
0: Was it the conversation where we were talking about, I used an analogy of like, everyone kind of sees enlightenment as like the finish line, like running across yeah. the red ribbon, like I did it. But it's yeah. actually like the starting, like the gunshot of the start of the race.
1: Right. Yes. yes. Or another
0: analogy I'll use is like pecking out of the shell, like inside the eggshell, the, the chick is like, oh, this is the whole universe right here. And if I just once I get out of the shell, that's the end of this universe. And I, I'm, you know, the end of my life and it pecks out of the shell and it's like, oh. There's a much bigger universe out here. That's really more what enlightenment is and feels like. You feel like, oh, I've just finally arrived. Like ego consciousness was preschool and enlightenment is kindergarten. And it kind of begins from there, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. But enlightenment to what? So what is enlightenment? Enlightenment to I'm now aware of how I'm flowing my energy, how I'm thinking my thoughts. And I'm aware of the choices I'm having. I'm making better choices. That can be enlightenment. Uh, And then there's another, then there's more enlightenment and then you reach that. And then there's more enlightenment and then eventually you're off world because now you're in a different school and you're learning new lessons. And so now you don't have free will and ego. And so there's enlightenment inside a different understanding of um, the, you were talking here about the oneness and purging collective karma. And so now you're in a sort of more of a social memory complex. You were talking about the social memory complex, I think,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, as we sort of merge minds and become one mind, which is, yeah. which I, you know, when I heard the social memory complex trying to describe the mob, they've, they've done their darndest to try and describe themselves to me. They're, they're not identity. <laughs> uh, they're right. this social memory complex they're this, they're this, they said that we're the combination of all thought and all lessons learnt, And, you know, this yeah, combination yeah. of wisdom um, that you can take It's impossible
0: into. to have an identity at that point. It yeah. Just is.
1: Right. And as a young girl, I'm screaming out, I want to meet my spirit guide. What do you look like? They're just laughing at me. They think I'm hilarious. <laughs> Cause I want this yeah. identity. And, uh, and of course I had the sort of Jesus, you know, identity step forward. Which was very odd for me because I wasn't like unlike you, Aaron, I wasn't into the whole religious thing at all. So for uh, Jesus to step forward and say, you know, hello, I'm talking to you, I'm like, you. <laughs> but he's like, this is one identity that I wore of, you know, that this is not who I am. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So do you want to talk about purging collective karma? How do we do that? Let's do it. How do we purge collective karma? So there's a lot of collective karma around inequality. Uh, We touched on it a bit in relationship and boundaries and, you know, inequality. So how are we purging collective karma?
0: Well, in a sense, we don't because we as individuals can't do anything about collective karma. We can really only purge our own karma. And so in that light, collective karma is just the sum total of all of our individual karma. So it has to be a mass movement of awakening where we all say, oh, we see the game we're in. We've created this whole mess collectively. So we have to purge it collectively by first doing that individually. Take responsibility for my own darkness, my own shadows. And that's what 2020 has provided such a great opportunity for us to do mm-hmm. because there's a lot of really frustrating things happening in our world today that can incite a lot of anger and finger pointing and blaming and judging. Right, right. And until you can look at everything with that universal love and understanding right? and you've got some demons to work out. And I've certainly been thankful for the, the demons I've been able to exercise through the catalyst of 2020 right. that I never would have known were there. Mm-hmm. Um, the political climates, the, the fear, the, the narrative manipulation, all these things that have been going on um, have given me a great opportunity to find even deeper levels of forgiveness and, and oneness with others who seem to be divided from me really aren't divided from me. Right. Only in perspective. And so again, it's meeting life life catalysts with the message of love that allows us to purge karma.
1: Right. Yeah. Boy has there been opportunity over the last year or so for that. You know, when we had yeah. Michael in our inner sanctum group recently, and he said something that's so beautiful. He said, the light comes not to heal you but to reveal what needs to be healed and then it gives you that choice and i think that that's what 2020 is doing did and continues to do uh my guide said i've often said this you know because i kind of like to clean so they use these analogies i understand if you have a dirty house and you've got a dim light you don't see the dirt but when you turn up the light you get to see all the dark places all the dirt and the corners and everything and that's what's happening on planet earth the light is turning up and so it's revealing all the Density contrast, whatever, and so what we think is expanding is just being revealed, really, as people yeah. are revealing their own distortion and judgments inside themselves. What do you want to say about that?
0: Whole lot of catalyst.
1: Whole lot of catalyst. So don't Whole fight Whole lot of catalyst it. right now. Yeah, don't fight yeah, it. Yeah,
0: flow with it, right?
1: Yeah, don't get swept up in the hatred and the. It is easy to do because when you see the hypocrisy and the stupidity that's happening, right.
0: yeah. you go,
1: oh, damn. But just as I was saying to you before we press the recording, when you see how, how the world and the earth is benefiting from the hypocrisy and the stupidity and places like Bali getting cleaned up because all the tourists stopped coming and they could clean up all the rivers and, and places regenerating and, yeah, beautiful things happening inside all the lockdowns, it's, you, you sort of see the wisdom behind it all.
0: Yeah. You know, there's been an interesting catalyst for me with the, the vaccination or the mm-hmm. injection, I guess we should call it, because mm-hmm. it really isn't a vaccine, at least in America. I don't know about Australia, what kind Everywhere. of vaccines you guys have.
1: Well, same. We
0: have the, the Pfizer and the Moderna ones, yeah. and yeah. there's so much injustice happening around the injections um, right now, the covering up of very important information, mm-hmm the concealing of truth for the purpose of financial gain. Right. And we kind of see the powers that be joining together to perpetuate this narrative that, Hey, this is for the greater good. If you really care about others and health and safety, you'll do this, but really it's for them to gain and profit off of. And we're the ones who pay the consequences as we've been, at least here in America, there's been like well over, there's been thousands of deaths from the vaccine. And, And that's just really hard to wrap your mind around well, Because I mean, by the time we had a thousand deaths from COVID in last year, we were already in full panic mode. I mean, everyone's right. losing their minds, lockdown, down, shut everything down, take away all my rights. But when thousands of people are dying from the vaccine, it's being justified in the opposite way of like, well, I mean, a few thousand after a few millions, not that many people, if you think about it, it's like, but is a life a life and is death, death? Like, why do we keep changing our relationship to it based on how we profit off of it? And that's, that's unjust. That's immoral, right? So, so you know,
1: governments send boys to war, you know, and they get killed. Oh, yeah, but it's war. We're doing it for the the greater
0: good. good. Yeah.
1: Anyway, go on. Yeah.
0: Justifying wrongdoing um, by manipulating truth is -hmm. what triggers me a lot. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we look at, the landscape right now. I mean, if, if you even breathe a word against the narrative, you're canceled right away, the what? platform, because they can't allow for their narrative to be threatened because that's where they're getting their power and wealth from. And they're all in it together where it's big tech, big, you know, uh, mainstream media governments, you name it, big pharma, they're all uniting to share in this wealth transfer. And so unilaterally truth is being silenced and canceled and, um, free, free speech is being not allowed any longer. And that's been very triggering for me because it's so unjust. And so the catalyst I've seen is like, let's look at Jesus's life. Okay. Mm -hmm. He spent his whole life preaching and teaching to a very archaic religion that had a totally opposite view of God than his own view and experience of God, a dualistic one. And he probably knew he was going to be killed for it and martyred for it. And yet he still spoke the truth and he still spoke truth to power. And sometimes the lesson is stand for the light. Even when the darkness is all around you, ready to consume you, even if it does consume you stand for truth, because it's truth, because it's right. If there's no gain from it, other than that, that's eternal gain that's spiritual evolution and life will create these catalysts for us sometimes to say, how much do you swear allegiance to truth? Even when there's a lot to be gained by not, even when there's a lot of intimidation and fear, yeah. even when everyone you know, isn't, will you still stand for truth? And it's like, yes, I will. If there's nothing to gain, if everyone's against me, if, if everyone I love leaves me, I will stand for truth. And now that's a really extreme catalyst, but it's sort of where a lot of us find ourselves now, right? There's such a polarization mm-hmm. politically in the social landscape where it's like, there's no middle ground anymore, at right. least here in America. If you're not all the way to the far end of the spectrum to the left, then you're labeled as a far-right Nazi conservative nut job, And it's right. like there's no way those two viewpoints can meet in the middle anymore. And so you have to be willing to be labeled and demonized and ostracized sometimes if you're going to stand for the truth and let that be okay. Yeah, That's a catalyst in and of itself.
1: Oh, this is a big conversation. And what I'm seeing is that people are doing that, Aaron, you know, doctors and scientists that have everything to lose by standing up for what they believe in. And they're coming out publicly. And, you know, there's a very important law, the law of resistance, what you resist persists, that the um, people that are benefiting, profiting from the narrative don't understand as they push back, as they try and resist, the uprise of of yeah. um, rebellion, I guess you could call truth it seekers. Or truth seekers, <laughs> truth, or and so what I'm seeing and so, what is so delicious, even though the narrative is so frustrating, is that these brave souls, doctors yeah. and nurses, speaking out publicly and 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 being deplatformed, and then platforms rising. You know, on Telegram, I joined Telegram years ago. Um, I was looking at it, and there was a message that like what was it 72 million people had joined in the last 24 hours so people are kind of yeah like moving from platforms that are censoring to other platforms that are not and so there is this uprising and that is so exciting i'm like that's really exciting as people are standing for truth when they've got everything to lose i was having a conversation with the neighbor of a friend of mine recently Who's like i'm like but he's a judge and judge he's still a judge he's not retired yet Mm. but uh and i said talking about the vaccine he says oh yeah I I like to travel so I have to have it so I can travel so if it it jeopardizes your willingness to want to explore the world then you're gonna have it even though you may not not agree with it he didn't agree with it right but he wanted to travel so he was like oh I'm gonna so there's like yeah so there's like choices that we're giving do we give up some of our personal luxuries or personal desires to stand
0: yeah those Um, are huge catalysts right yeah those are not easy questions to grapple with. Mm-hmm. But I think at the end of the day, that, that negative karma you just mentioned of resist uh, the resistance towards truth and the suppression of, it, it's an infringement on people's free will to not allow them to have free speech. Like to take away someone's right to express themselves is a huge infringement. Mm-hmm. And so that negative karma will come back around. Karma totally. always comes back around. It's just a matter of time. And we're sort of seeing some of it, the the uprising. But I think that's just, really just beginning in a lot of ways
1: yeah we are in exciting times we you know, sure
0: I... are man it's a rip roaring time <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're I'm in the so, best movie right now
1: i'm so absolutely best best show in town uh i'm so excited to see what is going to unfold i, I mean I, I and a lot of channelers are you know talking about there's more crap to come there's more of what we've yeah, had oh and, yeah you know we're, we're actually, not out of the woods yet <laughs> out of the, like i sit here with you today looking at blue skies we have been in torrential rain for the last week and a half, two weeks. And there's mass flooding happening across New South Wales wow. and Australia at the most. So it's still happening. You know, uh, um, Luckily, I'm not flooded where I am, but just looking at the news last night and seeing the devastating floods. So I was like, oh God, last year, the fires, this year, the floods. It's just like, it just keeps going. I know, it, just it does. More opportunity to choose <laughs> to, choose to uh, love and appreciate even in the midst of chaos.
0: Yeah. Uh, so we're, it does make you resilient though. Doesn't it?
1: Totally. What does that saying? What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. It's
0: yeah, absolutely. So when true. people say, Oh, there's more to come. Just, you know, we're not out of the woods yet. I'm like, whatever. We've been through so much <laughs> shit already. Like I, I'm unfazed, like bring it on.
1: <laughs> yeah. Bring it on. Yeah. Another opportunity to choose. love. Yeah. 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 Oh, darling one. It's been wonderful. Uh, I wanted to discuss that soul evolution. I had that image up. It was such, so great. But you can see it on, on Aaron's shows, seventh density, sixth density. You've got this um, great image of the soul's evolution through density. I thought that was Mm. cool. Did you create that? Did you create that image? Uh Yeah, that's very cool. Very cool. And it's helpful. mm, It was helpful. And uh, you've got seventh density, which is allness. I'll pop it up on the YouTube. Unity, sixth density, uh, fifth density, wisdom and light, fourth density, love, third density, which most of us are in. Self realization. You have it on your screen. Uh, I do. Do you want me to share it? You
0: could. You could do a screen share.
1: Okay, let's do that. Let me. Um, let me just pause. All right. Yeah. If you want to talk a little bit about this image.
0: Oh yeah. So this was cool because um, we typically think of evolution from the far right of the screen to the left side of the screen. Um, and that's how our individual souls experience evolution. But truthfully, the one infinite creator existed first. The one infinite creator existed even before the universe began. And when it creates the universe and projects its consciousness into space and time, it, from its perspective, it's actually doing it in reverse, right? So it's slowly stripping away portions of its nature to get down all the way to first density, where all it has left of its nature is pure beingness, just that naked essence of the source, right? Existence. And so then from that point, the soul's journey begins back to the creator. We have that arrow pointing the other way. So from our perspective, we experience it as first, second, third, through seventh density. And uh, when we look at it in reverse, we see that the nature of the creator begins really at seventh density, the allness, the totality. And as it strips away that, it goes to unity, unity between love and wisdom. That's the sixth density of consciousness. It strips away sixth density to go to the fifth, which is the wisdom density, the density of light. And then when it strips off wisdom, it goes down to just love, fourth density, Stripping away fourth density, it goes to third density, self-awareness. That's where we are as humans, third density creatures. Stripping that away, we go to the, we could say animal density, which is uh, just growth and movement or awareness, awareness of the environment. And then lastly, stripping that away, all we're left with is pure existence or beingness. And that's the four elements, uh, earth, water, fire, and air. So Mm -hmm. a rock doesn't have second through seventh density consciousness it just has first density consciousness and as it works that out slowly the soul continues down that tract and gains each of these qualities of the creator through learning and growth and evolution so it's a really amazing and beautiful paradigm to look at and you see so much intelligence in it
1: yeah you know what i was thinking uh when i um was looking at that was uh as a soul who is you know an extension of the infinite creator uh who is who is the allness in order to experience an earth life we have to go we have to go the other way we have to kind of experience allness then experience and you know go through these Uh evolutions to sort of get there and then kind of go back so we're doing it in both directions right Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and that would um that would sort of to note that maybe many of us have had lives on other planets or in other, you know, dimensions that was much mm-hmm. easier and more unified than before we come to earth. And, and so we have to sort of experience, you know, losing that, that experience of being the infinite creator before we can experience this uh, density, wouldn't you say?
0: Right. You need to have that contrast. Yeah. Contrast is the mirror that the the source uses to know itself. Cause the thing is it is itself right? It is all those things we just labeled, love, wisdom, unity, allness, awareness, beingness, it is all that stuff. So how can it have a viewpoint of itself when it can't get away from itself? And there's no like, there's no like other infinite creator who can like walk up to it and explain to it what it's like, you know, like there's no way to get contrast. So the only way the creator can pull this Crazy thing off (laughs) is if it creates the illusion of contrast to its nature. So it projects the opposite of its nature, which is separation, fear, all of the negatively polarized energies. And through experiencing those and evolving through those, it goes, oh, so fear is like that, which means love must be like this. Right. And then that awareness of oneness is there. It's just, it's so beautiful to me.
1: It is. It is. It's beautiful.
0: Dark and the I, light, you know, I
1: feel like I've kept you for too long. Probably going to need to get on with the rest of your night. Probably need to have. dinner. Um,
0: <laughs> we could go on for days. We I could bet. <laughs> go on for
1: days. Look, I'm excited about Gaia. When when's that unfolding? Because Gaia sort of, you know, does it like six months in advance. So it's not going to be any time real soon, but you might be recording soon, but it might be up in about six months. Do you know more details yeah. about that?
0: Well, I haven't even signed any contracts yet. Oh, okay. so we're still really in the preliminary phases, oh, okay. but um, we're working on the pilot episode now and planning out the mm-hmm. synopsis of the, f- we don't even know how many seasons it's going to be at, at this point, but at least two, probably more than that. And they, they've told me in our few talks we've had is um, hopefully around the fall, they might plan on releasing it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, but we'll see. It's all up in the air.
1: Fall for you, spring for us.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. <Yeah. laughs> On the other side of the sphere.
1: <laughs> um, but what have you got going that you want to know, let people know about? That's uh, you know that you've got going, courses, mastery.
0: Yeah, I've got. Um, I always have my master class year round, ongoing, uh, always open for enrollment. That's an eight-week master class that is really about taking you just kind of step-by-step step through the journey of learning how to master your mind and gain self-awareness and find inner freedom. Uh, we start with just kind of understanding the basics all the way up through a lot of the stuff we've been touching on today. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's always available. And then I have a, my other program is the A Course in Miracles program, which is a year round one, which can be, still can be joined. Uh, we're in March right now. So we've still got a big portion of the year left. And anyone who does want to join that gets access to all the prior content we do daily lessons every morning. And then every Thursday, we have an hour masterclass where we kind of go over one of the key terms from the course and really unpack it so we can learn the language of the text and all of that. So that's been a blast. Um, you can you can just join the masterclasses if you want. We kind of leave it open. Uh, but those are really my two kind of full-time gigs at the at the moment.
1: Beautiful. Oh, Aaron Ebke, thank you so much for coming on and uh chatting with me again it's been a blast and always enlightening and wonderful and beautiful and joy and uh, i look forward to you coming into our little in the sanctum group and having a bit of A Q&A with my tribe that'll be fun because they're big fans in there of you big fans
0: yes in june hopefully yeah
1: yeah june and getting you down under one day don't know when but one day
0: It's gonna happen <laughs> it's i will promise happen. you that totally it's on my bucket list
1: yeah thank you so much
0: Thank you, Karen. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure.
1: Wow. <laughs> I say that a lot after the shows, don't I? Wow. But this is a wow, wow, wow double, wow, double wow, double whammy wow. Speaking with Aaron, I would say Aaron, he says Aaron, Abke. So, oh, so much fun. So gorgeous. So I'm excited because he's going to come into our inner sanctum and chat to our little tribe and do a Q&A. That's going to be fun. And also he's going to be a part of the Higher Self Expo, which I'm co-facilitating with six uh, consciousness teachers around the world, a 24-hour online expo. We're discussing where science meets spirituality. Aaron is very well versed in that, so he's going to do a presentation for the Higher Self e- Expo, hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, well, I invited him anyway, so hopefully he can do that in July. That's coming up in July. Uh, you can see more about that on the High Self Expo uh, YouTube channel and Facebook page. Um, yeah, so we're gathering speakers. My job in that is to gather Australian speakers. Aaron is not Australian. So he'll be during the US component of, and I'm f- co-facilitating the Australasian eight hours because it's this 24 hours, uh, eight hours in Europe eight hours in America eight hours in Australia and Asia so um, yeah so I'm looking for speakers that are Australian New Zealand and Asian who speak on that subject uh, the science where science meets spirituality uh, there's bits of a loose concept of science because we're calling astrology science and uh, mind science there's lots of different sciences sciences that we can talk about but we can talk about physics and we can talk about medical science and we can talk about all of it great person that talks about that is you know Nassim Haramein who uh, is super busy we don't think we can get him but it would be great if you're listening to Nassim <laughs> I doubt that you are it'd be great to have him talk because he's just super genius uh, science spiritual dude and of course the Bruce Lipton's and the Joe Dispensers, they'd be great too but they're all super busy people um, anyway maybe one day they'll come on and speak the Higher Self Expo which is an online free online expo uh, discussing many topics yes so oh, beautiful conversation hope you enjoyed that let me know what you thought and your questions and um yeah wonderful i've got nothing more to say i think i've talked out i've been talking for ages it's been nearly two hours so thanks again for listening and watching and if you want to join our online tribe oh, gee uh Aaron's teaching every day god commitment i tell you But I do have a lot of other things, a few balls in the air. I've got book series and the show and the group and uh, the Higher Self Expo. So I've I've got my sort of fingers in a few different pies. (laughs) Whereas Aaron Aaron is very dedicated to his teaching work. Uh, Although he does make those YouTube videos, which does take a lot of time and effort. And the Gaia series coming up. Anyway, if you want to join the Inner Sanctum, join us online. It's not expensive at all, super cheap especially for Americans with our dollar being so low. And um, yeah, remember to buy the book, Awakened by Death. Thanks again for listening. Love you all. Bye for now.